Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. My name is Courtney. And we, we talk about the do-do's and don't-do's of personalized learning. I said it first. <laughs> you got me on this one, Courtney. You got me this week. I got you. <laughs> All right. Maybe I need a better strategy to get in there first. Yeah, maybe. Speaking of strategies. Right. We promised that this week we would talk about some strategies for pre-assessment since Pre-assessment is good, and there is growing research to prove that it is good and leads to stronger, better gains in academic achievements. <laughs> I thought you were going to go like stronger, better, faster, and then it's like I was gonna throw a third one in, and then I was like, no, don't do it, Courtney. So, I didn't. <laughs> uh, so, it's, so we are like following up what we did last week about the the research, as Courtney just mentioned, and uh, now we're gonna like offer up some strategies, I'm hoping. Yeah. So we know it's good. So how do we do it? All right. Well, the most simple basic one is give them the end of unit test. <laughs> Ta-da. Really, like that's basic. That's super basic. And go over the answers with them. Like because that, remember, that's right, the missing this, point. Yep. That's the missing part. The strongest the strongest um, uh, intervention from that research study was when the learners were given the feedback. So they need to see what they got right and what they got wrong. So I wanna add on a little, so you wanna make this less basic. Here's what you can do. Still working with like, we're gonna go basic plus. Right? Ooh, okay. You can do what's called an error analysis. You can find this in the Art and Science of Teaching, I believe. Mm -hmm. I believe you can also find this in one of the uh, Rick Warmley books. Perhaps the one, the grading one. I, I'm not sure which one it's in, but I know it's in there also. So mm -hmm. the idea is, um, so you can do this whenever, but in the context of pre-assessment. So they take whatever was going to be the end of unit test as the pre-assessment. And then you either give them a form or have them create one, because it's really not that hard to do, where it's columns, it's a table. And so you have the numbers of the questions, and then you have three, three columns, three choices. One says, got it. One says, I don't get this. And one says, um, uh, not careless mistake, but like uh, careless mistake. <laughs> right? Yeah. right, right, right. Like, I got this wrong because I did something like I know exactly why I got this wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so you can use whatever language you want. But then as you're going through the answers and there's lots of different ways to do that, too. So in whatever fashion you are having the learners compare what they said to what the actual answers are, having them fill that out just puts another little level of goodness on top of the basic mm -hmm. pre-assessment um, and gives you great feed, great data about the class. So you know who knows what, you know who's, you know who's making careless mistakes and probably what those careless mistakes are too, because you'll look at the work. Um, assuming. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would guess that would help yeah. inform whatever instruction is next, right? So yeah, these exactly. are the type of mistakes you were making. Right. Let's make sure we avoid those by doing XX and all of this stuff. So right. uh, I don't, I don't think it's just information for, for the, for the learners, which it obviously is, 
but the information for the teacher about how to instruct that stuff. Yeah. Even, even more than I probably would have thought coming into this conversation. Yeah. So I like that a lot. Yeah. That's basic plus. That's pretty good. Basic plus. Yeah. Basic plus. Um, I personally like, like to go extra shocker. Is anyone shocked that Courtney likes to go extra? Nobody's shocked. (laughs) I prefer to not just give the assessment at the end. Actually, that's kind of untrue. Um, When it comes to writing, you, you can't, I mean, you can, you just give, when it comes to writing, just a straight up, like, hey, here's the genre I want you to write in. Now write in that genre. Like, yeah. that's all you need to do. Right. You don't need to give them a specific prompt. You don't need to give, like, you don't. You just say, if you're, if you're curious about their argument skills, just straight up, okay, you've got a class period, write an argument, go. Mm-hmm. Like, you might the day before you know, kind of brainstorm topics with the kids and have a list of topics that they could choose from. But you're not going to say, like, write a persuasive essay on, you know, uh, the Second Amendment. Like, no, that's not, if you're just measuring the writing, you don't need to do that. Same for, same for narrative, same for informational. Yep. Um, And then you would actually kind of do that at the end also to kind of see growth. So that's like, that's the only instance where it's like, yeah, I would totally just give them <laughs> this straight up, like whatever yeah, yeah. the end thing was. The rest of the time, um, I really like to do more open type pre-assessments, more like more like probes, or um, I have a colleague who calls them gappers. Um, something that that is a little bit more complex relies a little bit more on complex thinking okay um and i was so an example of this and i may have used this example already but an example of this is like um if we're studying let's say we're studying uh the founding of the nation we're studying founding of nations for whatever reason um i might give them first day right first i'm going to ask them can they list, uh, tell me who were the, who were the founders of our nation, mm-hmm. right? As a class, not individually, just like a, a discussion, um, see what they come up with. And then I might um, add some names to it if they didn't give any, any ones that I felt should be there. And then I might ask them in groups to kind of to sort those leaders in some way. Maybe, maybe sort the leaders by influence on our constitution or sort them by importance in some way, right? I would do something like that where it's, it's super open-ended. It's related to what we're learning. Um, and maybe down the line towards the end, I might actually at some point ask them to do something like that to like to make an argument about who the most influential founder of our nation was. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not. But that kind of higher, definitely going with like analysis level thinking um, as a pre-assessment just gives you so much information because it, it, they, they need to have everything else underneath. They need to recall knowledge. They need to have some comprehension knowledge. Um, and as the teacher, like 
No doubt. It's more complex to sort through the data and the information and the evidence you're getting, but you get a better picture of who knows what. Yeah. I was going to say, isn't that the point though? Rather yeah. than just teaching the standard or standards. Uh, now you're having like information about how kids would attack that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you're right. Just the feedback that you would give to that, that informs your instruction is definitely just going to help the kids Yeah, you know, get through yeah. it quicker is what it is. I mean, some of the point is not that they're learning it deeper, but they're learning it at a probably a slightly faster pace also at this case. Right. That that's the, I think that's the whole point. Yeah. Someone might be wondering about now kind of like, okay, well, if the learners are just more or less in discussion, um, what's the evidence, right? What's the actual data that I'm looking at? And so here's what I I think in that kind of situation where it's super wide open um, and there may not necessarily be like a pen and paper piece of evidence that's produced. Right. Um, So you as a teacher are roaming around the classroom, have, have a checklist have make your own little observation chart with the standards or the targets that you're observing or the skills that you're curious, like, mm-hmm. can they classify? <laughs> right? Like, sure. or is that just a mess, you know? And then, um, or maybe you have your targets and some of the foundational pieces, like this is entirely up to you how, how deep you wanna go with it. Mm-hmm. And then just as you're walking around and listening and observing, make notes of what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's levels, right? You could be looking to individualize instruction, or you might just be looking to see what are the pieces of my plan for instruction that I need to adjust kind of more wholesale. Like maybe you notice nobody mentions any women. Maybe you notice nobody mentions any people of color, right? When you're talking about leaders in, mm-hmm. in the forming of our nation. Um, And so you might note to self, bring some resources, bring some information about that in, right? So it's like you're looking for um, what's missing and you're also looking for what do they already know where I can push them a little deeper Mm -hmm. as a whole, as well as for individuals. So using observation trackers like that, And it's fine. I I do want to make sure like it's fine to have individual evidence. Like you might just do a quick, a couple probing like math probe type questions, right? Where you do collect something from each learner. That's absolutely fine too. There's lots of different ways to do it. Um, So I like that point a lot because one of the, one of the questions I get all the time is, is what is evidence? Yeah. Right. And a lot of people are confused that evidence, I have to have actual pieces of evidence. I had this conversation with a teacher a couple of weeks ago that was talking about, I, you know, struggling with the idea of gathering evidence on standards because I think of it in like a, uh, the CSI way. Yeah. Right. That I have to have something in hand, like here's a right. piece of evidence and here's a piece of evidence. Yeah. And I struggle yeah. with so much of this stuff that I have to gather. I'm like, well, what about like a conversation with a kid? Yeah, I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I give them something that they have to turn back in. I'm like, well, couldn't you have just done it with the conversation? And they're like, well, yeah, but it's like, well, there's right. some but there. Evidence is evidence. And it's a it's it's just doing both. So you mentioned that that you have those like little math probes for kids. Mm-hmm. 
So I've done this in the past where I give those math probes to kids as like a, like a beginning of class type thing. Sure. Usually like before we get to that particular unit, just a few things kind of building them up to that point. So I know where to start. Right. And sometimes they're individual and sometimes we put them on the board and they just go up as teams. Yes. And when they're in teams, you can kind of do that same type of observation. Right. What are they talking about? Are they, are some of them really talking in the correct manner and doing it really well? Well, there's a piece of evidence towards that standard where some kids and they're confused. It's like, okay, there's another piece of evidence too. These kids need more help. Right. And now it's, it's not just something tangible and physical that I can collect, which is, uh, you know, when we talk about like bell ringers and exit tickets, that yeah. just kind of implies that you're getting something. It does. But sometimes the observation tracker, I, I love that idea. And yeah. having that as part of your classroom all the time, when we talk about gathering evidence, now it's not just for pre-assessment. This can be like literally anytime. I'm just yeah. looking for evidence at that point regardless of pre-assessment or not. I can't, I know that we're getting slightly off topic there, but right. but right. the idea of, of having a clipboard with your roster and the standards on it and just jotting down notes gives amazing information, especially at the beginning of whatever we're happen to be teaching, whatever unit or theme or whatever. Yeah. Uh, lo- I love that idea. Yeah. So some other ideas. I'm a huge fan of visuals, of doing things like showing a picture and then asking learners to... Uh, speak to or write about or talk about um, the content you're getting ready to learn in some way because of that picture. So like an example might be um, if you're doing something with (laughs) with rocks and the rock cycle, right? Um, Here in Maine, I can go about 20 minutes out to the shore and get some really sweet pictures of rocks. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I can just put that up and say, describe what you see and what what you can say about about the rocks and about the rock cycle and rock formation of this area in this picture like cool you know you can do that or um i'm also thinking you know videos where you have them kind of um like narrate or flag the video so like let's say you're talking about this is cycles again like life cycles right maybe it's frogs or butterflies or something i'm sure there's a video out there you can find where a frog or a butterfly goes through their life cycle mm-hmm. where it doesn't like say and this is the pupa stage you know and have the learners either like they could it could be to interact or like you give them the signs ahead of time and they have to hold up the sign when they think they're at that part I like that um (laughs) that would be way fun or you could have it more individual where you have them like maybe there's um you give them like still shots from the movie as they're watching it and they have to annotate those still shots in some way Mm -hmm. like there's a lot there's so many Uh, different ways to do this. I want to share one other like wide open one I really love. Um, And I actually just did this with adults the other day. It's a collaborative mind map. Some people might call it chalk talk. It's very similar, but if you're a longtime listener, you know how we feel about those kinds of uh, phrases and, you know, platitudes that go on mugs and totes and things. So uh, I call it a collaborative word web because that's what it is. So as the teacher, I would go and put on the board in the center of the board, a term, a topic, whatever. And then um, 
with my class and depending on how many how many learners are in there you could give each learner their own color dry erase marker or piece of chalk i think everyone's basically a dry erase at this time and i think you probably could make that happen if you're like into dry erase colors like i'm pretty sure you could probably get 20 different dry erase colors if you needed to <laughs> Yep. <laughs> right. Easy. Could be done. So every maybe every learner gets their own color or maybe you don't care. Like, But that will be one way to track individuals. And then the way it works is, OK, go. It's silent. And as soon as someone has an idea to connect on the web, they just walk up to the board and write that idea and connect it to something else. And then it's just, you know, and so you as the teacher, you, you might have to do a little like cajoling and reminding or like passing mm -hmm. the marker off. But I rarely ever had to anytime I did this once the once and the kids, the learners pick up pretty, pretty quickly as to what's happening. You know, once they do, it's it's great. Right. Um, and then there's an ebb and flow, right? Like there'll be periods of flurry of writing on a board and then people will stand back and look and then, you know, one or two more. And so you kind of manage it. Like you have to find that gut feeling of when, okay, we're done. <laughs> like, right. But um, And then you've got it, this great visual, you can take a picture of it. And then you've got this great evidence of what everybody knows and like everybody gets to see it and everybody was a part of it. Like things like that are really fun too. Um, how do you feel about KWL charts? Do you, you know what they are, right? I do, I've, I've seen them before. Yeah but I sense you have an opinion. <laughs> I don't know. I'm mixed about them. Honestly, I'm mixed about them. I never use them personally. Yeah. But I know a trusted colleague uses them all the time mm -hmm. and loves them. I just, it was, it was just not for me. Yeah. Which I think is fair too. What is a KWL chart by the way? Okay. So it stands for uh, no, Want to know, learn. See, I'm not even entirely sure. I think that's what it stands for. Yeah. So the, the way I was, I learned about them is, so you, you kind of have your, it's more of a younger grade thing, mm -hmm. um, more of an elementary, lower elementary. So you have your learners gathered and you introduce the topic. So let's say we're learning about habitats. What do you know about habitats? And then you kind of list the things everybody knows. And then what do you want to know about habitats? And like, that's cool. Cause you could, listed as questions. And then at the end, or as you're going, you come back and you go, what did I learn? Um, I think it has potential. I guess I'm just not a fan of it as like the circle activity. And that's it. Agre yeah, I would say, you know, one thing as you're, as you're describing it that way, um, I think you can get the same type of idea with like a QFT process. Right. So that's probably why I'm like, yeah, because we've talked about that before. Yeah. And, and exactly that process that you described before, you can get out a lot of that same information doing the QFT or the question formulation technique. Right. And I like that better because it seems a little more fun to me. I, I'm, right. not, I'm not sure if that that's definitely not the right word, but that's how it feels to me. Whenever I do a QFT with kids, it's awesome. Yeah. When I do with adults, it's not quite as awesome, but it's still awesome. It's still pretty awesome. Um, usually gets pretty silly by the end. And that's right. how I know we're done with you. Right. Yeah. Feeling yeah. Before. It's like, yeah, we're done here. <laughs> we're <laughs> done. 
yeah. you get a lot of the same information with that same same type of idea about about the QFT process because kids are right. generating their own questions about the, what they want to learn about whatever the standard is or whatever the topic is that we're talking about. Right. 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 Great information before you even start about what path are kids going down? Is it a really a path that they clearly don't know anything? Or it's usually they know some things, but now they're curious about it because it's all come out. And I never yeah. felt that same way with the uh, with the KWL process. Right. But again, yeah, my colleague it teaches younger grades than I used to. So it was exactly my thought also. So, yeah. yeah. So that's another one. QFT is another one. So yeah. it's like, I think, I think the idea here is like, there's so many things that can work. It can be small one or two type question, quick things, or it can be like a day or two event, right? That, um, and all of them work and you don't always have to do one kind or the other kind. But the most important pieces are making sure the learners, and the most important piece is making sure the learners have that moment where they can see what they said and have some comparison to what, uh, kind of what, the, what, the, the, what they're working towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great place to end our list of strategies today. <laughs> Fantastic. That was really good. Uh, where can people find us, Courtney Belolan? Oh man, everywhere and always with PLearnMC. So Facebook, PLearnMC, web, PLearnMC.com, uh, Instagram, question mark, PLearnMC, <laughs> Twitter, PLearnMC. Been a few years for Instagram, but uh, but Twitter is definitely a place. If it says PLearnMC, you know it's us, put it that way. Yeah. yeah. And uh, feel free to, to get back in touch with us, whether it's via Twitter or our parking lot on our website at plearnmc.com. And uh, with that, I guess we'll talk next week. Yeah.